Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah. Let me show you how we kicking it. Lacing up my cleats to chase a goal. Being like Beckham, but we never fold. Let me show you how we kicking it. Baby, you ain't working how we working. Scoring like a 10 up on my jersey. Let me show you how we kicking it. Stay up in the field, we going hard. Pray we never see a yellow card. Let me show you how we kicking it. So if your feet can plant it to the ground, we'll go ahead and put your hands down. Let me show you how we kicking it. What is up, you guys? My name is Jess Lazo, and you are kicking it with me on the Women's College Soccer Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. So over the course of my college career, I have dealt with a number of mental breakdowns, and I know I'm not alone on this. Whatever level you're playing at, sports can be mentally draining. There is this preconceived notion that if you have the skill and the physicality, you'll be able to reach great heights within your sport, where in reality, that is just a small part in obtaining your goals. Being both physically and mentally strong allows you to thrive in your game. And without having the right mindset, you can only get so far. That being said, I wanted to bring someone on the show today who has the knowledge and experience in this topic and can share the overall importance behind mental health in sports. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome licensed clinical professional counselor and high performance coach Holly Katz onto the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jessica. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear your insights. Yeah, happy to share whatever I can that might help. Yeah, so I've been meaning to cover this topic for a while because of how crucial mental health is in sports and just in life. So my first question for you is just in general, why do you think mental health is so important in individuals reaching their goals? Yeah, so I was also a college athlete. I played uh, tennis at Wisconsin. And I know um, just from my own experience, like you, I had challenges from a mental health perspective while playing tennis. And um, it, you know, it really gets in the way of not just tennis performance for me or any athletic performance or business performance or whatever it is, but also in just a feeling of well-being. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it, and to me, over the years, I've come to believe that the feeling of overall well-being is the goal and the performance comes with it. Um, so that's why I think it's really important. Um, I've seen athletes under tremendous pressure, uh, either from parents, coaches, put so much pressure on themselves and define themselves by their performance. And so then when it comes down to how they see themselves on the inside, their self-esteem is so low. And that's one reason they're having trouble in their, on the field or on the court, because um, they think if they don't perform, then they're worthless. And really what matters is if they believe in themselves and know they're worthy, then they'll perform better because it's not their, their identity is not their performance. Their self-worth is not their performance. Mm -hmm. You mentioned pressure. Um, What do you think other big factors are that cause mental strain in sports? I mean, I think it's the stress of men in terms of, are you talking college sports or in general? 
college sports and just in general as well? Um, I mean, for high-performance athletes, it's managing the challenges of the rest of their life along with their sport if they're not doing their sport full-time, which is most athletes. So it's, um, it's handling multiple things that you have to do well um, and eating healthy and getting enough sleep and taking care of oneself. Um, and, and again, making sure that, that whatever issues a person has, a lot of the times issues stem from how they grow up, that they work those through to clear those out of the way and clear their energy to perform well mm-hmm. and to feel better. Especially now, do you think that the pandemic has amplified these factors? Oh, absolutely. I mean, our, um, I have been overbooked this year with athletes and other clients, my entire practice, many of whom practice in the sports field, just don't have any openings. I think it's been really hard on college kids, adolescents especially, who are going through transition periods in, without, in isolation. And it's extremely difficult and lonely. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's amped up for sure, the mental health challenges. And in addition, there's a lot of athletes I've worked with this year who don't exactly know when their season has starts, ends. Now things are getting a little clearer. So you just never know. And I think that adds stress too. Like normally you would try to um, peak perform when the season is getting ready to start. Well, I have a gymnast who had no idea when her season was until about two weeks before the season. So it's really hard to, to gear your training toward when your season is, if you don't know when your season is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, I mean, it was before we realized that the fall season had been canceled. Um, we were training, we did the fitness packet twice. So that was probably eight weeks of running um, over the summer and you're just waiting and waiting and you have no idea when the season's going to come and it's draining and it, you get burnt out. And, right. and obviously that has a lot to do with like yourself mentally and right. Um, yeah. It, I, I completely agree. It's been very difficult. Yeah. Sounds like you struggled as well. And as I said, I have many athletes who are, who've had the same thing and the mental burnout's tough. And in addition, the physical burnout, because it takes so much focus to get ready. Um, and it's, it, it takes a lot of energy to have that focus. And so it's been difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear, I hear what you're saying. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when you're reflecting off of the clients that you have um, helped in regard to athletics, how do you go about your process in helping your clients overcome things like anxiety and self-doubt and just being yeah. out mentally? Yeah. So I work at two levels with clients. One level is um, uh, kind of on the surface. I give tips and strategies um, to manage anxiety, just um, visualization and meditation and other tricks to um, stay focused on whatever their sport is. It depends on the person and their sport. I have a whole set of tools and we kind of each week we work to see what's working and what's not. And that is helpful for most people, but it's not the whole solution. Usually what happens is, is that um, the kids and adolescents and college athletes I work with, there's some sort of belief that they're not good enough that's underlying and it's at their core or that they're not worthy of love or that they're unsafe. And so to get, so to, 
to get to those issues to me is really where the real work is. Mm -hmm. So we have the, the tools that help them manage, but it doesn't fix the problem overall. To really get a sense of wholeness, you have to address why one like why an athlete has a little sense of self-worth or had, doesn't feel good enough. Because if we can solve that, the anxiety really dissipates and it doesn't be it's not such a struggle anymore. And to get at that, we have to do kind of deeper work. We talk about family history and sports history and injury history, um, any traumas somebody's experienced, and we and it takes time to work those issues through. And usually there's always something. Um, so that takes time. So that's where the deeper work is. Probably the fastest somebody will come out on the other end is maybe six months. I, I was working with an elite musician who was one, one of the best in the country, but he would, when he went up to play his instrument, which was a brass instrument, his hands would subtly shake. And it would be in the most mundane performances that would, it would happen. So I gave him a bunch of tools and tricks um, to try to manage, again, like, um, you know, where to focus, how to visualize, all that type of stuff. It wasn't enough. He had to feel better about himself. So six months later, he um, went to a national competition and he ended up, he was, a young, he was in high school at the time. The, the competition was for 20 and younger, and I think he placed second. And now he's um, in the U.S. military band, which was his goal. And he helps, he's actually shared a few times since I've kept in touch with him that he helps other people. He realizes he's not alone with having that anxiety. I think that also is helpful. Is when athletes know they're not the only ones struggling with anxiety or whatever the issue is that they have. Um, and that really made a difference to him. Instead of feeling shame, he felt like, hey, I could help people from my own experience. So that's just an example of somebody I've worked with. Um, but that was quick, six months. Sometimes it takes longer. It depends on, depends on the person. So can you elaborate kind of on like what you specifically do in order to kind of regain their confidence and kind of make them realize that, you know what, like I am a great soccer player or athlete or musician. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so again, I, I work on the core. So there's work on belief in self because when we look at incidents where they've developed their low self-esteem, if that's what's driving it, for example, mm -hmm. it helps when I can reflect back to them, but hey, wait, let's look at this from a different perspective. You might've done X, Y, and Z, but there were reasons you did X, Y, and Z in your life. And let's look at those and talk through those. And what emotions did you feel when you were going through that? And let's process through some of the, those emotions. And when somebody is able to talk through, it's just like any type of therapy and get another perspective about what they go through and process emotions that they hold in their body as a result of trauma or um, significant pain. And they can release that energy. They feel freer. And then they feel freer on the field. So I don't, I don't know how to explain it any more than that. Um, it's kind of like, you kind of know it when you see it, when I do the work. And then again, there's tools like, for example, a soccer player. Um, I might, if they're struggling with anxiety, I might tell them, hey, take the focus off of yourself. I want your goal to be the best teammate you can possibly be. What does that look like to you? And then they'll tell me, um, I cheer my teammates on, I'm there for them. I, 
uh, I support them when they're down. And we go through all the steps to be the best teammate you can possibly be. So if their focus is on that, they're not so much in their head doubting themselves. Um, another one is sometimes um, my kids will kind of draw into a little corner and kind of pull into themselves when the anxiety gets overbearing. So we talk about strategies like make sure you're talking to your teammates. Um, and that keeps their mind off of it. So anything I can do to help them in the performance itself, stay loose and focused, but also, it, you know, we use breathing obviously, but also, again, the deeper work is, let's talk through what's been hard in your life and why, and how do you see yourself as a result? And let's see, let's look at the bigger picture and look at who you really are from a values perspective. Um, you're hard, usually all my athletes are hard workers. Um, and, and we look at clients' strengths. We look at each of, each of the athletes, we look at what their strengths are. And usually to be a high performance athlete, you have to have a lot of strengths. There's work ethic, there's organizational skills, there's determination, overcoming adversity. And those are such important life skills and nobody's really pointed out that to the athlete. Well, wow, I, I, I do have a lot that I have going for me. So, um, I do a lot of strength-based work as well. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I feel like when some people feel like they're at their lowest, they have to be reminded of how many other great qualities they have about themselves. Like you said, like organizational skills, just being a great teammate and cheering someone mm -hmm. on, being very hardworking. Because I mean, like you said before, just obviously focusing on different things other than yourself, you'll eventually kind of steer away from the overthinking aspect and right. kind of like come into your own as a player and be like, okay, I actually am a good player when I don't think so hard. Right. Exactly. And you're one thing you said, which I, you were kind of pulling off of what I said, but it's really true. You will not believe how many athletes I work with who just, I just love working with them. I think they're terrific um, students. And, um, I just, I think they're great human beings and they don't see it. So if I point out the qualities in them that I really like it, you'd be surprised. Nobody really hears that from other people. It's always about what you need to do more of, or, you know, and they don't really have anyone reflecting back to them, what they're really capable of and good at and what their character is and their values are. And that makes a huge difference. Exactly. I completely agree. What about when, once they kind of overcome these feelings of self-doubt and anxiety, what about maintaining a consistency in both practice and games? How do you train your client's mental strength in order to keep this confidence and achieve a positive mindset every day they show up? Yeah. So um, one thing that I think is overlooked is recovery strategy. All the research that has been coming out of the High Performance Institute in Florida um, is that it's really important for athletes to take a couple, one or two days off a week um, to have rest periods, which I think that it's very hard for athletes to follow through on. I know it is for mine, but yet when you take that time away, you come back stronger. So it's, and the research is backing this up. It's recovery strategy is really important. Recovery strategy in general on a weekly basis on a yearly basis, like you were talking about, you got burnt out because the season just kept getting pushed back and you had to stay 
stay right ready for ready for the season for weeks. And then in addition, recovery within the game. So for example, um, the High Performance Institute did a study of tennis players and they wanted to differentiate what was the difference between the highest performers and the rest of the pack. They trained a camera on all the players who were in the study um, for matches. And what they found is, and they looked at scientific things like biomechanics, speed, agility, strength, all like a whole bunch of tangible metrics. Couldn't find anything. And finally, by accident, they stumbled across the fact that the top performing tennis players have a recovery strategy within each match. And so what the recovery strategy looked like for those athletes is between each point, they would breathe. They would, um, if they had missed a point, they would correct themselves and kind of have a replacement image for a miss. They would figure out a strategy for the next point. And then they would um, have a ritual before each point, before each point started. And what they found is once they started to have that strategy get applied to other athletes and other sports with whatever worked for their sport, how they could build in a recovery period, like tennis, there's a between point period, soccer, there's probably timeouts, um, or you're probably rotating in and out. When people employed a recovery strategy, like similar to that, it increased performance significantly of those athletes who were using it. So I think that's a really under valued thing to look at is what are you doing um, to recover weekly? And what are you doing to recover, um, replace any errors in your mind within a, within a game or a match or whatever it is? So and that's one big way. The other is obviously visualization and so on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think about my soccer career just as a whole and I've definitely been in positions where I think that I need to work out all of the time um, in order to reach my peak performance, but that's definitely not the case. Nope. Like you said, you're going to get burnt out. You're going to be prone to injuries. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say. You're right. Yeah. That's going to make it even worse. Yeah. Um, And I think it's like a great thing that you mentioned about actually kind of having strategies within a game. And I've personally never thought about that before. And I should definitely take that into consideration because obviously you may, there's so many different plays throughout the game or the match and yeah, you're going to make mistakes and it's all about how you react to those mistakes. That's right. What many athletes do because they're all type A is if you make a mistake, you ruminate. Even if you're continuing to play in your head, you're ruminating about the mistake. And if you can put a replacement image in your mind, it's really effective. So if you, you know, you missed an easy shot to the goal, instead of ruminating about it, if you actually envision yourself making that shot and correcting it with a replacement image in your mind, that is a very effective way to recover from adversity within a game. So that's one way it gets a recovery strategy is really helpful. Mm -hmm, For sure. And then moving on, just having a positive mindset is also important outside of practicing games as well. And from my personal experience, I've struggled with overthinking, like I had mentioned before, leading to emotional breakdowns and just being sent to a dark place. Um, Yeah. 
Mm. So what do you think are the necessary steps in kind of digging yourself out of that hole in that dark place and controlling your feelings? Yeah. So I don't know if every therapist would agree with this, but my approach is not to run from feelings. If you're feeling sad or anxious, to me, the best way to deal is to set aside a time to go toward those feelings and express them through journaling, maybe punching a pillow if you're mad, um, just really just breathing in and noticing where in your body the feeling lies, like anxiety, it's a lot of times in the heart. Sometimes people have it in their throat. Um, so it's breathing into the feeling, which tells your inner self you're attending, you're paying attention, you're listening. And sometimes the answers will come when you do that, but at least the feeling isn't being pushed aside. If you try to run from those feelings and, you know, and ignore them or try to paper over them or numb out by overwork or whatever it is, then they're going to be bubbling up. Mm-hmm. And if they're not released, it's going to take over because they'll be bubbling up for so long. Whereas if you could release those feelings by going there every day and just practicing, it's, it's a mental health practice along with some meditation generally you will feel so much better. Um, so that's my approach. Uh, my, my approach is not to, um, you know, there's cognitive behavioral therapy, which is how to manage anxiety and what to talk to yourself and, and how to do it. And there's tons of techniques and, and a lot of therapists work that way. And I use those tools too. But I also believe it's a mistake to run to um, paper over those feelings with a bunch of management techniques you need to go toward the feelings they have information for you and it to me the feelings are our most vulnerable parts and if we're running from those um, it makes us it it hurts our our well-being and sense of self-worth and if we could be compassionate to feelings that we have even if they're ugly what we would you know what society defines as ugly which in reality are normal because every human experiences them like jealousy, anger, those type of feelings. If you can go toward and be understanding and compassionate to self, that is where really success lies in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When you say journaling, do you mean like just writing out your feelings or setting goals for yourself? How do you um, consider that? I'm more of a go toward your feelings journaler, but setting goals I'm sure is helpful as well. Some people do well with goal setting. Some people don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it depends on the person. But for example, if you feel really mad about something or you feel like something at practice was really unfair or the coach is putting in a teammate and you think you should be in on the starting lineup, you can come home and if your feelings are really stoked up, um, take out a pen and or use your computer and just type or write as fast as you can all the feelings you have it's almost like your body's having a chance to express that anger or if you feel sad same thing you know just writing three pages about anything helps the feelings dissipate Um, and usually if you write like two to three pages you might start out with what you think is nothing or not important but you will ultimately get to the important feelings that need to get recognized and and addressed and released. Mm-hmm. So um, do you set, I don't know if you set goals and um, I know a lot of people find it helpful, but I also know athletes who don't find it helpful. So. Yeah, sometimes before practice, 
okay, so initially I used to write like several goals before practice, but that didn't really help me. Um, I think setting small goals um, over a period of time definitely helped me more. And just little ones kind of just like, like have a good touch on the ball today, you know, just small things like that. Um, And then I've personally, um, like after practice, I'll like write positive affirmations um, about what I did and what I need, but also what I need to work on as well. Um, But not try not to be too hard on myself. Um, Yeah. I think positive affirmations are great. There's um, a lot of, you can buy guided imagery for athletes. I don't know if you use any, I know there's some on Headspace where they are specifically geared geared to athletes with some affirmations and some guided imagery, which I think is really helpful. So that's one way to do it. You can just write it for yourself. Um, and, um, And if you feel upset with your performance, again, it's to me better to spend 10 minutes allowing yourself to feel upset and releasing it just, and then you can go forward versus pushing it aside and then letting it bother you for two more days. You know what I mean? So um, that's, that would be my approach. Mm -hmm. I'll typically try to vent to people, but I think, yeah, I mean, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think that also journaling, like you said, is very important. I probably should do that more than like talking my ear off to people. Um, No, talking is great. I should have mentioned that. I think that's a really good tool. Um, so that you're doing that is, is terrific. That's a good way to manage your feelings. You're actually, you're not ignoring them. You're talking through them and that's very effective. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned like headspace and meditation. How do you think the benefits are to that in regard to like having a mental toughness and building your mental strength? Yeah. I mean, almost every top pro athlete uses some form of meditation or guided imagery for both visualization, breath control, um, and it just, it helps you connect to yourself. It helps you stay quiet in your mind to help avoid overthinking. So I think it's a really important practice. Um, the other piece that I know I do some of is um, biofeedback. And that, I don't know if you have any experience with that, but it's where you can kind of control your heart rhythm um, to match what they've researched and shown as peak performance. And the way to do that, the way to get the control of your heart rhythm where it lines up with zone performance is to think of, to kind of take some deep breaths and breathe from your heart, kind of focus your breathing around your heart. But as you breathe in, kind of make sure your abdomen is expanding so you get enough air. So, you know, in breaths of four, maybe hold for two out breaths of four, but really put your focus on your heart. And then you think of one thing, person, place, um, animal, dogs are great for this if you have a dog at home. And you think of how grateful you are and how much you love that dog or that baby or that nature place or whatever it is. And then you breathe out and send loving feelings out each time you breathe in, you know, as you breathe in and out, you just imagine all those love feelings of love. And that actually has an effect on your heart rhythm, which helps with zone performance. So a lot of top athletes use that to train themselves um, to get into the peak physical readiness to to compete. 
Mm-hmm. Is that uh, the heart math coach? Exactly. That's okay. heart math. I, yep. Yeah. I saw that you were licensed in that. So yeah, I haven't um, renewed my certification, but um, I went through the training and really it, to me, it boils down to find something that you feel grateful or love the most. And that's, that's all I need to tell athletes that that captures what, what, what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. There are there is technology where you can actually measure how you're doing, but I don't bother. It's just too hard with remote work and all that stuff. I, I mean, athletes can purchase their own if they're interested through HeartMath. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then I saw that you were the captain of the tennis team at the University right. of Wisconsin. So how has your personal experience reflected how you approach your career as a high-performance coach? Well, I know I struggled. And I wish I had somebody telling me these ideas when I was in college. And, um, and so it's kind of, it's really the motivation of why I specialized in this. Um, And um, I just feel like it's a vulnerable age, high school and college, and there's so much going on. And I just feel like really most athletes should have somebody to talk to. Um, So that's, that is why I went into this specialization um, is just for my own performance of struggling and knowing what it's like to feel the pressure and um, getting sick of my sport while I was in season and, you know, all the things that I'm sure every college athlete goes through. So dealing with coaches, coach issues, teammate issues, it's just, it's a hard thing. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think throughout your college career, and if you decide to go professional and even in high school, it's an up and down roller coaster. You never really know what you're going to get each day. And all you have to do is kind of reflect off yourself and remind yourself that you're a great player and you're there for a reason and you want to have fun and right. about the outside noise. Right. I think having what one thing you said, having fun is really important because sport under pressure on scholarship can become more like a job than fun and then it's also harder to perform and so you kind of have to think back to why you're doing it and what you love about the sport in fact that's usually my first question when I first start working with somebody what you love about your sport and try to highlight those aspects because it's not all going to be great there's going to be struggle so yeah definitely so just kind of reflecting off of sports in general, what do you think the breakdown between physical and mental components to success is? I feel like I've read something before where it says sports are 10% physical and 90% mental. I don't know if you agree with that. What are your thoughts on that? I was going to give you that ratio. (laughs) I I mean, to me, that is the ratio. Once you're, you, that's assuming like if for a college athlete, you already know you have the physical tools. So then it becomes 90-10. It's 90-10 mental. That's what the uh, research I referenced earlier where they looked at tennis players and matches and looked to see what was different. And what was different is the poor performers uh, on the tour were yelling at themselves and slapping themselves and having poor body posture and getting down. And the top players were very mentally tough and focused and stayed with it. It's, it's all mental. It really is. Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean, when I think about the transition from high school, high school to college, for example, 
you're getting recruited because you're a really good player. But once you're put into this pool with your new team, you're kind of like, okay, now I'm on a team with the best of the best from all these different areas. So yeah, you kind of have to like, just kind of maintain a positive mindset through that and not overthink things. Um, and Mm -hmm. just kind of reflect that you're a great player and you're there for a reason. Right. That's, that's good advice. Yeah, definitely. And then my last question for you is just looking back on what you've accomplished thus far in your career, what have you enjoyed most? I love what I'm doing right now. Um, I was, um, after college, I went into the corporate world and I was very successful, but I just didn't like it. And I always felt this passion for helping other athletes and other adults as well, just in general, in terms of being a therapist. And so I feel I make a deep impact with people. The relationships I have with clients, I'll value, I highly value. Um, I've seen people like the musician I told you about it who transform. And it's the most rewarding career I could ever think of. So I'm so fortunate to be in a career that I love. Not that many people can say that. So, yeah. That's great. I mean, based off our conversation today, I feel like your words have already resonated with me and had a lasting impact on me. Oh, good. I'm so glad. And you seem terrific. You're going to be so successful at whatever you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, look at your podcast. That's amazing for a college kid. And you have such a nice style and you're going to, you're headed for good things. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay. You're welcome. Nice, nice talking to you. You too. For any listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to tune in next week, the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, and of course, Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. And if you'd like to know more information about Holly Katz and her practice, head to hollycats.com. Thanks for kicking in with me on the Women's College Soccer Podcast. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.